thinking about it and thinking about it and thinking about it. I keep coming back to uh, uh, we're singing that song to God, but we're reminding ourselves that it is well. In Psalms 42, it says, Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior. So, Again, please. And I, I want us to sing that chorus again, reminding ourselves that it is well. So like we sang the first song that the battle is the Lord, and then we sing that there's joy in the house of the Lord. But but the truth is as well as some of us are carrying baggage. Some of us are carrying things that are too heavy for us to carry. Some of us are carrying things we were never meant to carry. Some of us are carrying things that we put on us by others. It doesn't matter what it is. It could be relationship issues, financial stress, children. Any of these things. But what we're doing in this 
so well. I ain't even answering it. Uh, it's well. It is well. It is well with my soul. I, I know for myself so often, I do have to remind myself of that in the morning. It is well. And then alarm goes off, and I'm like, again? What happened? I just fell asleep. It is well. But it is. It is well because of who he is. And that's one of the reasons we're going through the story of God, the mission of God. So if you're new, my name is Mike, uh, lead pastor here at Journey. Uh, so glad to see you. Uh, Cummins, that's his first two rows. I see you guys. It's beautiful. Um, so uh, if you weren't here last week, this week, come on, come on. Um, if you weren't here last week, we talked about fasting and that we're going to start a, a fast this week. And I'm inviting you to join us, uh, myself, the staff, uh, some others. Uh, and so uh, just encouraging you in that. Uh, we made a little video. We'll put it on social media. Feel free to check it out. So this week, we're, we're picking up the mission of God, and we're going to jump forward a little bit, not too far. Uh, last week, we looked at Genesis, and we got all the way through chapter 3. This week, we're going to move all the way to chapter 12. Uh, and some of you might be thinking, this is a big book. It's going to take a while to get through that, but we're going to make some giant strides as we go. Uh, this week is important because we're going to start in Genesis chapter 12. Uh, so if you've got a Bible or a phone app, however you like to read, uh, I'd encourage you to fill that out. Um, it's about three verses, but they're three big verses, uh, so we don't have them on the screen, but um, because it's important for you to see it yourself as well. Like, it's one thing to, to see it on the screen, and it's one thing to hear somebody reading it, but it's another thing for you to look at the words yourself. Um, so I'd encourage you, turn to Genesis chapter 12. The Lord said to Abram, go out from your land, your relatives, and your father's house, to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who treat you with contempt, and all of the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. The word of the Lord. So last week, like I said, we started the mission of God. We started looking at the story of God. And what we saw was that why God has a mission in the first place and what that mission is. And that mission is to, to seek and save that which is lost. That mission is to, to rescue and redeem those who are lost and those so this week, we're going to fast forward a little bit and see how God continues that story through the life of Abraham, which is very important. Now, we as a church, we're committed. We have a purpose, and our purpose is to encounter Jesus, to engage together, and to empower together. So this week, our part of our purpose is actually doing that, is continuing this journey. We're encountering Jesus together and seeing him how it, and how it unfolds. So up to the point of the call of Abraham, or as you notice here, his name's Abram, God changes his name later. God does that a lot, actually. He changes people's names. But what we have here in the story is up to this point, from, from where we ended in Genesis 3 to Genesis chapter 12, there's a lot of time that passes, and people are doing pretty much whatever they want. There wasn't really a lot of people who were seeking God. Not a lot of people knew him. People had created their own gods. Cultures had developed, and societies had formed, and they created their own gods. Everybody was, you know, geographic. And then all of a sudden, Abraham hears God call him and saves him. Abraham, who, who more than likely worshipped, you know, probably the gods of his land. Cultural gods, he probably had a couple that he worshipped. And all of a sudden, there's this one God who speaks to him and says, go out from your land, your relatives, and your father's house. That doesn't sound like much because we leave all the time. Because we, we go out all the time, and some of us travel great distances. But in Abram's day, in Abraham's day, that was a big deal. Because your God was your God of your area. So 
it would be a god of Amarillo. So God comes to Melina and says, Melina, go to Lubbock. She'd be like, no, I don't like that guy. Right? No, her god's here. So Abraham, what happens though is Abraham trusts this new voice. Abraham trusts this God and follows them out. And that's important. It's important because Abraham did something that was unexpected and left his place to go somewhere else. So what we have is God calling Abraham and saying this. So God gives Abraham six statements. Six statements that he makes to him. And I want us to go through these six statements. And we're going to start with that first one. But we're going to read them all real quick. I will show you the land. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great and bless and make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who treat you with contempt and all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. Six statements that God makes to Abraham. And Abraham believes God before he does any of this. And we know this because God has to take him to the land that he promises him. And he leaves and he follows him. And Abraham's known as the father of faith because he trusted God. We see in the New Testament, it talks about Abraham a lot. There's some, um, I didn't write it all down, uh, but there's there's uh, some like, I forget off the top of my head, like 520, 240, one of those numbers, references to Abraham. It's important. Read it for yourself. That's your homework this week. Read the Bible front to cover and write down every reference of Abraham. Or you could Google it, whatever. But Abraham follows him, and it's a big deal. And we think about that, and we look back, and sometimes it's easy when we're reading the Old Testament to think that, that Abraham or any of these people were in conversations with God, like on the daily. It was always happening. They were talking all the time back and forth. But really, with Abraham talking to God, or specifically God speaking to Abraham, over the course of about 30 years, there's only seven or eight references to God speaking to him. Abraham was always trusting the last thing God told him. Weird to always trust the last thing God told you. Sometimes we get worried and we get turned around and we don't know what's going on. And we say, God, what do you want me to do? And oftentimes he's saying, what's the last thing I say? That's the last step you're supposed to take. And you keep walking in faith and obedience to him. So Abraham trusts God and follows God out. This is important because God is trustworthy. I want to give us two verses that I want us to look at. Uh, Numbers 23, 19. God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he not said, and will he not do? Has he spoken, and will he not perform? That's God saying, this is who I am. I am not a man. I don't repent. I don't have to change my mind. Isaiah 55, 11, So my word that comes from my mouth will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I please and will prosper where I send it to. What God wants us to understand is that he is faithful and he is reliable. And that's part of what we're seeing when we look at these six statements that he makes to Abraham, is that he is faithful to complete his work because it is part of who he is and part of the mission that he is on. So I want us, again, to to look at these things and look at these six promises. And I want us to look at them and understand that as we're looking at them, what we're seeing is God revealing himself to us. So the first one is, I will show you the land. And again, right away, God makes good on this promise. I think there's a couple reasons for it. One is Abraham's need of following God. This is Jehovah. If Jehovah has come and spoken, he says, I'm going to show you this land and I'm going to give it to you. And Abraham's like, okay. So he follows him. And right away, God says, this is the land that I'm going to give you. 
And when he gets there, he makes another promise that's actually very important and tied to the whole story and mission of God. And that's in Genesis 12, 7. He says, to your offspring or seed, I will give this land. This is important because at the time, Abraham had no seed. Abraham had no offspring. Abraham had some stuff. He had some things. He had some people he traveled with. But he didn't have a child of his own. This is also important because it's tied to what we read last week, the proposal of the incarnation. God saying, I'm going to send you. I'm going to bring about your victory. I'm going to bring about the seed that will crush the head of the devil that kills every gathering of his people. So it's all tied together. And God's saying, just as you see this land, know that I'm going to give it to your offspring. And Abraham at that point is probably like, "Mm, I don't know if you get it. I don't have an offspring. I don't have any children. But God just keeps on going because he does that sometimes. He says things that we're not quite ready to hear, and we go, no, no, we'll say it. So the next one is God says, I will bless you. And this is, this is a good one, and this is where some people get a little off kilter. Okay, There are so many blessings we could look at with Abraham because God said, I will bless you, and then blessed him like crazy. Right away in Genesis chapter 12, we see that Pharaoh blessed Ab- or yeah, Pharaoh ended up blessing Abraham and gave him cattle and sheep and donkeys and stuff. And he went out. Now he, he did this because Abraham lied. Because Abraham being the father of faith doesn't mean he always gets it right. Abraham being the one who 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 does initially trust God and follow God and follow him into the promise and do all these things and walk with God for thirty years doesn't mean Abraham always got it right. As a matter of fact, he a lot of times got it wrong, and we're gonna look at one of those in a minute. But Pharaoh blessed Abraham. In chapter 13, we see that Abraham is so blessed that his nephew and him can't even stay in the same geographic area. There's too much blessing to be contained in that spot. And I'm going to come back to Lot, his nephew, in just a moment. But we see over and over again God blessing Abraham. And here's the thing. Blessings are are like a broad category. And I think a lot of times when we think about blessings, we think about material blessings. We think about cars, homes, finances, all of these things. And those can be blessings. But the, the, the point is not that thing. The point is not the stuff. Like, if God blesses you with, with a great car and a wonderful house and a great job and a, a great bank account, well, praise God for that. But if he doesn't and he blesses you in some other way, you praise God for that. I have seen times where um, I remember... We were still living in Massachusetts. All the kids were little. Grace was itty-bitty, so she was eating baby food. But we had the two boys. They were young, starting to go into that I'm hungry all the time phase. I mean, no boys are always hungry, but, like, they were really ramping it up. We were flat broke. I mean, flat broke. I think I made, I want to say it was, like, $9,000 that year, which, like, if you're young, you're like, oh, he must have been talking about, like, you know, 1920. No, no. But not long ago. Back in the 1900s. No, this was like 2004. (laughs) So like, yes, inflation, but still, $9,000 is not a lot of money. So we had dinner one night, and we we had a little bit of spaghetti. We had like, uh, it was either half a package or a whole little box of angel hair, and that's all we had for all of us. And that was it. That and some butter. So we make dinner, and we sit down, and we pray. And we pray the prayer that we pray all the time. Jesus, thank you for this food. Thank you for this dinner. Bless us and keep us. And we were all stuffed. I mean, the boys couldn't eat more than a bowl 
they were just done. They were like, oh, my goodness. We're all sitting there at the table. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm so full. Why? That's a blessing. That's just, it's, and it's, that is just as amazing as God saying, here's a million dollars. Because that is God saying, I see your need. I see what you lack, and I'm the provision for that. Genesis 15, chapter 1. Again, I told you, we're moving through Genesis pretty quick here. Genesis 15, 1. God comes to Abraham uh, after a battle and everything else, and God comes to Abraham, and God makes this statement to Abraham. Do not be afraid. Abram, I am your shield. Your reward will be very great. Some translations, and I think the right way to translate this would be, do not be afraid, Abraham. I am your shield and your very great reward. God is the blessing. A relationship with the creator of the universe is the blessing. And to know that he is your shield, it's amazing. Paul writes in Philippians 4, chapter, uh, chapter 4, verses 12 through 13, I know both how to have a little and how to have a lot. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being content. Paul's going to tell us the secret of being content. He says, whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need, here's the secret to being content. I am able to do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Yes, we put it on t-shirts and we put it on bumper stickers and sports teams say it and so does the other sports team how does god choose who's going to win this time the secret of contentment the secret abraham learned is i am able to do all things through him who strengthens me i can be hungry i can be well fed i can be happy i can be sad i can be having the best day of my life having the worst day of my life the secret to being content in that i can do all things through him who strengthens me and that's what god says to abraham in 15 1 do not be afraid i am your shield your very great reward next two promises and i'm going to combine these two i will bless those who bless you and i will make your name great and you will be a blessing so again, God promised to bless Abraham, and he promises this over and over and over again because he really wants Abraham to know he is the one who's blessing him. So Abraham doesn't get afraid. And Abraham doesn't because, uh, to back up a little bit, we're all over the place here, and I apologize, but we back up a little bit when Abraham defeats, uh, so Lot, his nephew, gets kidnapped. We're going to look at that in just a moment, kind of. And uh, then Abraham goes and he rescues him with all his mighty men. Uh, Abraham comes back, and he meets this guy named Melchizedek. Known as the Prince of Praise. He meets this guy and, and he pays him a tithe. And then one of the kings who was uh, who Abraham helped said, Let me give you like all sorts of stuff. Let me bless you. And Abraham says, No, 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 no. No one will say that they made Abraham the blessing. Sure. God or Abraham understood God is the one who will bless me. God is the one who will meet my provision. I don't need to trust you or trust in you because we're not from the same thing. Like, you've got very different motives and very different outlooks and very different ways you want to take care of things. I'm going to trust God to take care of that for me. And so here's the thing is, is, again, God promised Abraham over and over and over again that he was going to bless him. And so when, when again, like I said, we're going to back up. When Abraham and Lot are together, they are blessed like crazy. They're blessed so much that their 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 herdsmen are fighting with each other. Like, no, that's my pasture grass. No, that's mine. No, that's my well. 
they're going back and forth, bickering all the time. And Abraham's like, this is not good. But here's the thing. Abraham, sorry, Lot was blessed because of who he was in relationship with. Abraham was the one who was blessed. Lot connected himself to the blessing. And again, this is, this is, this is where sometimes people get things twisted. And I was telling my wife, like, I'm trying to work through this. And, like, how do I say this the right way? Because this is where, like, maybe prosperity stuff starts to go off the rails. But here's the thing. You can connect yourself to God, which is to connect yourself to blessing, or you can connect yourself to the world. Those are your choices. Lot was blessed because of who he connected himself to. Second, Korean, uh, Second Kings chapter 4, verses 8 through 37. We're not going to read the whole thing. But it tells the story of a, a Shumanite woman who sees the prophet Elisha walking by all the time. And she realizes this is the prophet of God. This is a holy man. So I'm going to build a room so that as he goes by, he's got a place to stay if he wants to. So she builds a room. She goes, she tells him, he says, sure. She ends up being blessed. She's blessed with a child, and she never thought she would have one. The child later dies, and Elisha, uh, God, through Elisha, brings the child back to life. Why? She was blessed because of who she chose to connect herself to. Bible talks about not being unequally yoked with others. That's part of what it's talking about. You're going to receive things from those that you gather around you. 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. The adverse is true as well. Like, when uh, one of the reasons I don't live in Massachusetts anymore, and at some point I'm going to share all of this at one time too. But one of the reasons we moved from Massachusetts was I had recently been saved. And there's a whole group of people that I grew up with that I wasn't going to influence at all. They were going to influence me. And I knew that. These people were going to bring me back no matter what. I can still, anytime we go back to Massachusetts, I can drive around the town that we lived in and I can go, oh, I don't like this area. Like, we've talked sometimes about maybe we'll go back up there and plant a church. And I'm always like, sounds good in theory, but no. I know who I am with those people. And I know I'm strong now, and I'm sure now it would be fine. But at the time, I'm just like, we've got to get out of Dodge, okay? Because it's this people are going to corrupt who I am. So I need to connect myself with people who are connected to God. Because I want to be part of that blessing and part of that family. Which is why we invite, why we're talking about the story of God. Because we want other people to be connected to God and receive blessings from him. Again, the greatest blessing is God. John chapter 6 records Jesus said this is hard stuff. Jesus is a lot of hard stuff. Like people who say Jesus is such a nice guy have not read what he says. He says hard things. So Jesus says some hard things to the disciples, and uh, they leave. Like, not his closest disciples, but like the crowd. And so they leave. And uh, Jesus turns around to Peter and the twelve and says, hey, are you going to leave too? And Peter, in a moment of sheer brilliance, says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Peter got it. Who you connect yourself to dictates what kind of blessings you get. Connect yourself to the right people. If you look around your life and you see that you don't like how things are going, check and see what you're plugging into. Next, I will make you into a great nation. God promises that he's going to make Abraham into a great nation. He says, 
I'm going I'm to bless you. And remember, earlier, back in 12.7, he says, I'm going to give this land to your offspring. But Abraham has no son. He has no seed, no heir to take over the family business, to, to take over the family promises. He has nothing. And Abraham, when we look forward to 15, rightfully asks God, like, God, I, I hear that, that, because this happens sometimes. If you're like, God, listen, I feel like you've said this a few times, but I just want to make sure we're on the same page. And so Abraham says to God, I don't have any children. I, I've got a servant, a slave in my house. Is he the one who's going to take everything over? And God says, no, that's not what I said. I said, to your seed, I will give the land. Abraham does go on to have children, eight children. One of them, from Sarah, is the child of promise. One of them is from Hagar, the Ishmaelite, from Sarah. Here we go. Can we call it polynomial? Okay, here's, here's, here's how that happens. Because a lot of times, we want five steps to victory. And if that's not enough, we want three second acts. And if that's not enough, we want uh, this new scheme that's really going to take care of our finances. And this is going to be the thing that does it. And we decide how we're going to help God out. We read the blessings and the promises of God, and we say, Jesus, I'm going to give you a hand. You little gotcha. Right? We have a saying in my house, whose hand? Because if God is the one who said it, then it's in his hands, and I don't need to work for it. It might not come when I want it to come. I might not see it how I want to see it. But he said he'll do it and he'll complete it. Remember those verses we read in the beginning. We want to find a way to accomplish the promises of God for us. We want better methods. We, like when we're looking at the church, we're thinking, okay, like how do we get out there? What, what's, how are we going to reach people? How are we going to do this? How are we going to do that? How, how's all this going to work? Because we're always looking for better methods. We're always looking for ways to help Jesus out. E.M. Bounds wrote a book, and in the book he says, uh, it says a lot of things in the book. Uh, one of the quotes from him is, the church is looking for better methods. God is looking for better methods. And here's the thing, and women, here's the thing. God is wiser than we ever could imagine. He's greater than we could ever be. He is better than what we could ever possibly want to be. And he understands our faults and our failures, so he creates better methods. Abraham is 100 years old. His wife is 90 years old. Right? And still no child. And then God comes and says, this time next year, your wife will have a child. Genesis 17, 17, Abraham laughs when God tells him that Sarah will have a baby. Genesis 18, 12, Sarah laughs when God says she's going to have a baby. Why? Because sometimes God says something, you go, ha, 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 ha. Oh, you're crazy. No. No, I don't think so. That's not going to happen. I'm not doing that. Right? God shows up, Judy, one Monday morning. Says, Judy. <laughs> Judy goes, ha, ha, ha. Wrong address. <laughs> right? Sometimes God says something that is so ridiculous that that's what we feel is the only proper response is to laugh. But through that crazy, ridiculous promise, we get the nation of Israel. 
from the nation of Israel, we get Jesus the Messiah. Through something that was impossible by earthly ways, through something that could not be accomplished by Abraham and Sarah in their own doing, we get the Messiah. I will curse those who curse you, and the whole world will be blessed because of you. This is where we're going to wrap it up. God once again promises to be Abraham's defender. That's what this whole cursing and blessing business is about, is God is saying, I have both sides of you. Those who who are good to you, I'm going to be good to you. And those who come after you, I've got you. I'm going to take care of you. All around you. Remember, he promised, I am your shield. I'm all around you. So when when the things come in, when the things start stressing us out, when we don't know how we're going to handle something, we remember, wait, God, I'm blessed like Abraham and Sarah. So you will bless me. You will protect me. And it may not be the way I want to see it. It may not be how I would think I would see it. But you're going to take care of me. Why? Numbers 23, 19. God is not a man that he should lie. Or a son of man that he should boast. Has he not said and will he not take, uh, has he not said and will he not do? Or has he not spoken and will he not make known? Isaiah 55, 11. So my words come from my mouth not returned to me empty, but it will accomplish what I send it to. If God said it, God will do it. The problem we have a lot of times is we try to tell God what he might have said. We try to fill in, or we try to help God in his promises, but that's not what it's about. It's about trusting him. The story of God, the mission of God, is about looking at who God says he is and why he's doing what he's doing and saying, I'm going to trust that. And God working through Abraham, there's a lot there, but the thing I think we could take away from that is that God can be trusted to do what he said he's going to do. He said, I will bless you, and he blessed Abraham. He said, your seed will inherit this land. And we have the benefit of looking back at thousands of years of history and seeing that Abraham's seed has inherited the land in ways that that are just ridiculous sometimes. We can see that God has kept his promise. And if there's nothing else we take from today, it's that that's what I want us to take, is we can trust God to be good to his word. that's where faith comes in. Abraham is the father of faith because he trusted God to be good to his word. God said to Abraham, I will bless you. And your seed will bring about everlasting life. We're blessed because we believe like Abraham that that seed came. And we know that that seed will last forever. Because how many of us, if you've been walking with God for any amount of time, if you've been trusting Jesus for even just a minute, can't look back on your life and go, I see what you did there. I see how you were good there. I I see how I didn't really fully believe it, but I I trusted you enough to take that step, and I see how you you did it. I see how you restored my marriage. I I see how you, 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 I can look back and see, but I thought my kids were gone. I thought they were just never going to get it, and now that they're walking with you. I see how I didn't know how we were going to pay those bills that time, but we're still here. Because here's the thing. If you exist in this room today, God has 100% victory of getting you through the bad days. 
You are here because he has kept his promise to walk with you. And if you don't know him, this is the perfect time to go, I didn't realize that was you. To look back and go, oh, oh, now that makes sense. I I didn't know why that happened. You're here because he's faithful. It is well. Tomorrow, if you wake up on this side of eternity, guess what? No blessing. And if you get to go home, it's awful looking for that one. But you're here because he's blessing you still. Because he's faithful to his word. So again, if we take nothing else from today, I just want it to be that. Jesus is faithful to complete what he said he would do. Lord, I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your truth, for the reality of who you are, and that you are reliable. Jesus, as as we come into a time of response, as we come into a time where we can just stop and see you, can we remember that you are reliable? Jesus, you are faithful and you are good. Open our eyes to the times when we have not seen you. Open our eyes to the future when we won't see it, but let us see it because of you. And Lord, for those who have just resisted, Lord, open their eyes to see how you have brought them through everything. That through it all, you have been there saying, my child, I'm with you. Lord Jesus, we love you.